Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to Dangerous Rhetoric. This is episode 21. Before I introduce our special guest, let me remind you guys to subscribe, like, comment, share. Um, it's very important. We're being very, very suppressed right now, and it's one of the things we're going to talk about. So please do that. It helps Speaking of suppression, yes. allow us to introduce the most banned person across the interwebs. Mark Harlow. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Mike Harlow. Thank you. <laughs> Welcome, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, we've been. How are you guys? I'm so excited. I, I, I love you too. I've been, I've been such a fan for so long. I'm so Thank excited. You. To we've been finally you. come on. Stop it. So <laughs> we we heard about you. I mean, what was this? 2018, 2019. Yeah, it was, was back then. Yeah. It was right. It was when Brentley started his channel. It's Brentley. And I think, you know, it was your channel was still pretty young at the same time. And Brent was talking about similar things as you in regards to the LGBT community and, and the trans stuff, and drag kids and that sort of thing. So he stumbled upon you and he was like, oh, hey, look, there's another, you know, gay New Yorker talking about the same sort of things that I am. And we've been following your work ever since and watching your slow rise to infamy infamy and <laughs> very slow <laughs> <laughs> but faster than you know faster than you probably would have predicted you know it, it is crazy like that people are walking up to you and recognizing you too that's how yeah, that's that i went i went to uh the other day they had the worldwide day of uh whatever it was called freedom or yeah. whatever it's called yeah, freedom now the thing that I, that i've been warned not to talk about on youtube yes <laughs> we won't talk Again, about what, what the freedom they're talking about from is but so yeah people yeah. are coming up to you and recognizing what, what is that even like i don't even know if that's like that's just shocking because i'm just always like do we know each other who are you like <laughs> it's inconceivable to yeah. me that anyone would know who i am but i'm you know i'm appreciative of that i was they're always super cool so there are never any like assholes who <laughs> come up and know me because I, I feel like it's sort of the assholes who hate us so yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we're assholes. We make jokes and stuff sometimes. I, mean, I am, but... <laughs> I was definitely showing people last night on Twitter. Yeah. What's that? I was definitely being an asshole yeah, last I, night. I just Twitter. got my first slap on the wrist by Twitter, actually, today. Oh, what happened? So I, uh, the CDC, you know, made their announcement about the masks and stuff, and uh, I tweeted at them and told them to go fuck themselves, and I retweeted them and told them to That's go my boy. And, and immediately after, bam, they hit me with that 12-hour um, restriction. Only, fo- only followers yeah. can see his So now on only Twitter. followers for half a day can see anything I post. It's a slap on the wrist. It's a slap on the wrist, but it was my first one. I'm just like, damn, already? Like, I've only, like, I had a Twitter since college, but I didn't really use it. And it wasn't until Instagram and Facebook started shadow banning me more that I was like, well, whatever, I guess I'll try Twitter now and use this more. So I've been using it more for like a week now. And I already got my first uh, infraction. (laughs) Bullshit. No, that's what happens is they ban you from one. So you try to use another one that you never really use and then you get banned on there. They want to frustrate us into silence. I've basically stopped using Facebook pretty much altogether, except for just occasionally I'll post links to my like our youtube stuff yeah and then our, our podcast stuff and that's yeah. kind of what I, i'm I used to be really facebook, active on facebook and i wasn't using twitter so much and then with the the constant little fact check bubbles and the are you sure you want to share this link or the yeah. put effect this is information misinformation i was just like you know what let me go to twitter where that's not happening as much see a lot of my older friends yeah. on twitter are people older than me so it's like sorry not twitter facebook so if i don't use facebook like 
none of those people are getting exposed to this information at all, you know, and there's very few people talking about it. So it, it almost feels like an obligation at this point. See, I've been banned on Facebook for like three of the last four months. My Facebook is my favorite. My Facebook is just like my friggin' diary. <laughs> like I yeah. rant and overshare yeah. way too much. I, I enjoy your long so stories. I like oh, thank you. Yeah, I know a lot of people don't like read those really long posts, but you know, if I know the person has a track record of, of good stories, I'm like, oh, <laughs> thanks. I'm like, my Carlo posts another long story. <laughs> I gotta tell you guys how I spent what I've been doing all day today. Like, have you? This this is insane. Have you guys ever watched the Architectural Digest YouTube channel? No. no. Sounds interesting. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It is like the most glorious train wreck you've ever seen because they get these like rich celebrities trying to modestly show off their mansions, and they are all so fucking insufferable like i feel like i need to make a video just going through each of them oh that sounds like that fun. would be fun with gay toad yes which is an actual experience too he could actually like maybe like shit on the designs too <laughs> have you who's that guy that super flaming gay guy from uh modern family i don't know oh i don't watch you know the one i mean we don't watch much tv same but you know who i mean that guy so they did one with him and his friggin' husband who were uh, these two, they're like fucking Bert and Ernie. And they're like, uh, they talk right to the camera. Like they're so clever and they're so proud of themselves that they're like, Mug. actually, we like to name every inanimate object in our house after movie stars of the 1930s. Oh my God. We're just crazy like that. Like imagine, really? Imagine you having a Cocker Spaniel named Judy Garland. Wow, that seems so out of character for you. And how do you have space in your head for all of that? Like, do you guys not put anything there's else a, in your brain? There's like, a lot of space in their heads. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nothing in their heads. But it was so good, though. Yeah. I, so yeah, go watch Architectural but, Digest. <laughs> so on to censorship, which I think is a topic we should riff on more, but. You know, you're you're gone from Instagram now. So I'm gone. So you, I've, you, I've, what, how you've been banned before, right? This is not your first time. Uh well, so now I've been banned from Instagram. I've been permanently banned from Twitter three times. I've been suspended from Facebook three of the last four hmm. months. And I even got banned from Tinder for having my picture at the That's White crazy. House. Crazy. Like wow. By the way, of all the things that should get me banned from Tinder, <laughs> Tinder, <laughs> that should be the least of it. Yeah, I posted about that a couple of days ago, and one of my friends responded to it, and they were like, is he actually banned from Tinder? I was like, yeah, I think he was banned from Tinder. Well, I got it undone, because I apparently have, like, some talent for fighting tech companies, <laughs> but um, I, that was a mistake. Yeah. I should have fucking stayed banned. You're one of the most, <laughs> you're one of the most banned people we know of, actually. For what? That's what I, 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 not to sound like whatever, but I don't get why, why me? Why me? Why always me? Because they, they hate any conservative leaning person period you know i'm not and, even conservative though well i mean you are right of them and th this is what I, this is what i realized it's like I mean, you Karl marx is right of them <laughs> it's like i realized even if you're a moderate lefty to the radicals anyone who's even just a little bit right of them is automatically just like trash like well that's a, that's something i think like the three of us have in common that i think our views a decade ago would yeah. make us solid liberals. Dude, I was at Occupy Wall Street. Yeah, same. Yeah. So, I fucking volunteered for Obama. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, clearly, you know, I don't think I moved too much to the right. I mean, maybe, yeah, I, I've become a little more conservative as I've aged. But even when I was younger, I was, you know, conservative in certain areas, like sexually and dating wise. But 
Like I said, I was really? on Wall Street. I was, you know, I was a protester. I was, uh, I'm not buying that last one. <laughs> no, buy it, buy it. It's he's, true. He's got really? single, single digits when it comes Brent to Lake? people. Is that the with. truth? Uh, it's true. I mean, four I, people. I, however, four am, people. I will I'm, reveal my number. I'm, I'm much wow. more, much yeah. more liberal yeah. than that. Yeah. <laughs> Most gay men are very shocked when they hear that. They're like, "You're fucking lying." That's amazing. Oh my god. No, you're. I, like, I don't you're know. For a while, girl. I thought it was like I felt like a black sheep because I would, you know, meet all these men. And they're like, "Oh, I had this experience, that experience, this experience." I'm like, "Yeah, I've been with four people." They're like, "Oh, that's so adorable!" No, that's like it's like patronizing way. I'm like, "Thanks." <laughs> I got you know, they, you would literally get a better reaction from guys than saying you're like a rapist of the elderly than by saying <laughs> something like that. Wow. There was this one, there was this one guy I went on a date with a while back. Um, and he just wanted to like hook and like we had no okay time. So I was like, okay, let's hang out again. Like, you know, thinking, God forbid, wait until like a second or third date. And he like didn't even understand what I was saying. He was like, um, have you recently had some sort of uh sex reassignment surgery? Because that is a more likely conclusion to them than waiting for a second or third date. Wow. Yeah, yeah that's, I don't it, know. These people, like, it's very strange, especially in New York. They're like the the gay culture there just seems so revolved around like the BBD, the bigger, better deal. Yeah. Like the people mm-hmm. are so afraid to commit to any sort of monogamy. Even the people that I know that were in like serious long term relationships were open or they were open ish. Uh, you know, where they would like invite a third into their, their room or whatever, because that's just, you know, I guess what they, what they enjoy or whatever. I, I, I mean, I don't get it really. You know, I've had my Each their own. I can't handle that. Like I, and it's with one person. Please, I'm trying to find one person. Who can <laughs> like, I don't know how people do that, two. but like, you know, again, to each their own, but look, you know, I, I think, I think you do compromise certain things in your values and energetically and things like that by dividing your attention and time amongst people. And that's just my opinion. You know, I'm not going to shit on other people's relationships. If they make, oh, no, shit like, on them, shit on them. <laughs> shit on them. Well, <laughs> you, like, what I mean is if they figure out how to make it work and then whatever, you know, I, I don't care. It's not, if you're not hurting, not real. You're hurting anyone, I personally, it's just, I wouldn't do it. It's not something in my value system and no same like if i if i didn't want to be with just that person that would mean i'm just not that into them yeah, yeah. so i wouldn't be with them in the first place but, but the, the gay go there in new york is so clicky so i never felt like it, i was never in a gay community and i'm from new jersey no, same. so where i grew up in new jersey there was no gay community in elizabeth it just wasn't a thing that's where my mom is from your mom's from elizabeth new jersey yeah that's you're crazy shitting me no <laughs> you're shitting oh that reminds me i wanted to New York secret i'm part jersey no that's <laughs> awesome one of the things that makes sense actually that makes a lot of fucking sense actually. why is it trashy <laughs> no uh, you're moxie it's like it's definitely new jersey so that reminds me one of the things i wanted to bring up was your your grandfather was a famous old-time singer right and I, I mean, I guess famous if you're like an Italian over 90. I'm my grandma's an Italian, but she's not over 90 yet. She's over 80, but she might even know him. Was <laughs> it was uh she's from Jersey, she probably will. Yeah, I forgot his first name, but Roselli was his last name, right? Yeah, Jimmy Rosa. Jimmy Roselli. <laughs> yeah, so I saw a post that you made about that recently. I'm like, whoa, this is freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, my uh my whole family, your musicians, they're all in the music business. So I got kind of screwed in the gene pool when it comes to because like <laughs> I used to sing in bands, but I'm, I'm like aggressively mediocre. 
like you would i should be like you know spectacular from them but no you're into like punk and rock and stuff right yeah yeah i like like some of that stuff too i'm into metal so i grew up on the heavier stuff that's awesome i know i know it's not everyone's cup of tea but i love that no i love that um what what that was i saying though no but um what you were saying it's so terrible because i think like back when i was younger in terms of like the gay shit like it didn't even occur to me the word conservative or that it wasn't a conscious thing that that's what it was that i was just more conservative than them that i had nothing in common with any of their anything whether it's them like banging 10 different people a week or doing every drug in the world like that's just not what i'm about same and but but it sort of like seeps down in and infects every (laughs) part of their personality that they all have they're just it's all about conformity that they all just have they all listen to the same music they all repeat the same sort of little catchphrases they all uh have the same acceptably gay interests yes queen oh yeah the word the word conservative is also a word i never thought to put on those um particular values that i had too growing up and and my aversion to a lot of what i was seeing and from the gay community it's it was only later that people started to assign that term to me so it isn't but i think part of it is just being raised by my grandmother and some of the values she instilled into me or were just more traditional. And I never, that was the word I would use. I would never use the word conservative. I would just use those, you know, as traditional. You know what I think it is? I think that for gay men, it's just sort of the worst of all worlds that, you know, with straight people, there are certain concepts that exist and maybe they're in short supply today, but there are at least things that exist like respect women or, you know, open the door for someone or, settle down someday wait until a third date to sleep with someone like these are things that exist you know and there's just none of that with gay people there's no no sort of baseline expectation of any sort of decency or respect or anything it's like a like a sort of societal moral expectation i don't want to say pressure but jordan peterson has has mentioned this before um and i think the erosion of that maybe is why we're we're seeing a lot of the you know promiscuity and all that stuff but it, i think it's a result of of the countercultural movements of the 60s and 70s and and the free love and and all of that which you know sure i guess had its benefits but at the same time you know there are also consequences to those things when you just smash all the old values and traditions you know i, I think uh yeah i don't know where i'm going with this but well, I, the gay I, culture I, itself is still very very young it is young yeah and it, you see that in sort of the immaturity of a lot of gay men. Who like never grew up. Yeah, who like never grew up. There's this Peter Pan syndrome type of deal. Mm-hmm. The, the technical term is the puer eternus, um, the forever boy. And a lot of these guys, uh, you know, they didn't have the opportunity to sort of have that uh, immature sort of like seeking out you know sowing your wild oats thing in in their teens when that's ostensibly supposed to occur and so a lot of them came out later in life and it was like they developmentally stepped back a few decades or whatever huh that's and, a, interesting way but it play. never occurs to them that that's their problem to yeah. fix and no, get back. No. It's always someone else's fault because the thing is like if there were a straight man who were who was in his 40s and going out drinking every night and totally alone. With everyone would look at them as a tragic 
pathetic cautionary tale of a man child but right. when that person is gay then oh it's fabulous it's celebrated almost yeah it's, it's viewed as like a badge of honor you know like there's a there's a big fear too of aging in the gay community i think that's why a lot of this continues into older age because they they want to keep feeling young keep feeling i young. don't know what you're talking about i'm 22 <laughs> <laughs> i'm 30 now so. 38 yeah. you're 38 38 yeah, no way dude like he has like no gray hair on his head i have all okay that. good you give me hope for when i am your old age and <laughs> i can still look lots good. of lots of bone broth and cigarettes that's my advice <laughs> uh, but well, yeah mike just quit so don't tempt him uh i'm like i'm uh i want a cigarette so badly <laughs> we make our own so yeah. we get like organic uh pipe tobacco and, and cigarette tobacco and then daniel and i will blend it together make our own little blends and then we inject it into like these little cotton empty tubes uh, yeah. empty tubes been doing that for years i mean i'm down to like one or two a day unintentionally and i have friends who smoke addictively and they're just like how do you do that it's like i don't know i'm just less stressed part of it is because i'm out of the city so i enjoy smoking and i like it and I don't feel like it has a hold over me. So I have no intention of quitting. So it's just, they get mad at me. They're just like, I don't understand that how. And it's like, you're able to just enjoy it and just have one or two. And that's it. I'm like, yeah. Sounds like denial to me. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's, there's a slight, you know, addiction there. But for the most part, you know, even when I was younger, I was never that person who was like smoking a pack a day. I always found that crazy. And, and then when I started making my own, it was just like, Maybe I was down to like five a day and now I'm down to like one or two a day. Yeah. Well, I come from a long line of, well, I come from a long line of drunks and junkies. So I want a damn cigarette. (laughs) I gotta be careful there. Mm. My dad dad is a, he's a recovering gambling addict. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pretty severe problem. Like basically ended up losing the house and getting in trouble. He went away to jail for two years because uh, tax evasion. He, uh, he basically didn't report some income and then they caught up with him and then they threw the book at him. And so he, it was, it wasn't even that much money. It was like $500,000 or $600,000. I mean, that's a lot to me. Oh, not that much. That he failed to disclose as yeah. income. And so that, that was, they, they threw the book at him and there's like pedophiles and child molesters yeah. that get less time than him. It is crazy. So it's just, it's just like, I mean, he, struck, he certainly me. learned his lesson and he, he's a changed man now. I think you're, Wow, that's way calmer and like chill now and for the most part yeah well hopefully he learned his lesson we'll see yeah. he's, he's got uh it took him a while to really get back out on his feet he got out uh back in i guess it was 2019 and he went away in 2017 and uh he finally just got like a real job he had been doing sort of odd jobs and living off of social security for a while um but then he, he just got a he finally found a construction company that wasn't um wasn't like uh, offended by the fact that he was technically a felon. Wow. So. I didn't realize this was recent. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, well, it's a challenge, you know, it's like, it's crazy what they'll, they, then they totally went after him because he was, uh, he was working for the guy that was involved in that, um, that like check cashing loan company thing on native American reservations. I forget the guy's name. They busted him too. And he went away and he, uh, and he had like a 10 year sentence. But I forget. I can't remember his name off yeah. the top. Do so I take it you're from Jersey too? No, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia. This all sounds very Jersey. Bucks County. 
Yeah, it's, it's, it was fine. I grew up there, and then I went to school in D.C., so I was down there for the Bush, the Bush Junior years. Oh, yeah. Your dad traveled to Jersey a lot for work and other things, yeah, and I mean, maybe some of... What was the other things? Nothing. <laughs> so maybe, maybe, some, maybe some hookers. <laughs> so maybe some of the Jersey rubbed off on him, and that That's was what possible. It's yeah. very possible. Anyway, I wanted to move Literally. on. I wanted to move on and kind of ask you about some of the projects that you're working on. Um, specifically uh this uh is it red band it's called yes yeah Uh, talk a little bit about that and tell us what what you're planning with this um i'm really excited so i had uh a couple years ago it initially started as a book that um and this was around the time of my like when i was my red pilling when i was starting to my views were starting to change and at first or this is probably around like 2016 ish um it wasn't even directly political at first. It was more cultural. It was suddenly every word I say someone is offended by and I'm having all of these problems with people and I can't speak like I always have been able to do. Um, so I had this potential book deal that I was writing because um, I figured uh, I had struggled so long with the gay stuff. And I mean, not in terms of like, you know, the way we're told people struggle with it. My struggle has been dealing with fucking gay people. So <laughs> like, not in terms of like crazy people you go out with and it feeling like such a weirdo that you're the only person basically who would like a relationship. Um, so I started like telling these stories and people seem to like it. So I started writing it as a book. Um, I ended up having to walk away from the book deal because they just wanted a very sanitized version. Everything is offensive. So what I'd always wanted to do, but just seemed like too big of a mountain to climb was I always wanted to write a series. So long story long, I ended up writing it as a series and got super into it and plotted out everything and wrote entire scripts. So we were having meetings to pitch this series. We had meetings with a lot of big platforms um, and it looked like it was about to get made. Then the alphabet industry boot came down on us and they wrote me a letter. We will fight you every step of the way in getting this made. This is the most offensive thing. And it's really just, I mean, I described the show as it's basically like if a romantic comedy got hit with a bucket of ice cold reality. Like it's sort of just an honest look at being gay and single in the postmodern world. Um, They did not want to hear that because what a lot of people don't realize is that every single TV show or anything like that that has even one gay character, a representative of GLAAD is in the writer's room telling them what they can write, how this person can speak, how this person can act, the stories they can tell for this person. And that is why we have the same weak, unique stereotypes that we've had for 20 years, because we the image we see of gay people is the image that GLAAD and the alphabet industry want us to see. So they didn't like what I was doing. So anyway, long story short, I got sidetracked for a long time with politics and all this, but now my focus is um, we're making the series independently and we're making an entire production company for other artists, filmmakers, writers to make their stuff. Uh, So it's going to be an entire platform and production company that's basically cancel proof. So sort of like a punk rock Netflix. And it's going to be film series, comedy specials, documentaries, music stuff, the whole thing. This is what we have to do. We have yeah. to we have to start making culture. We have to take back our cultural producing institutions. And, and you know that they want to cancel us. Fine, we'll just go do our own thing somewhere else. 
Yeah, you're, you're seeing it too. In the And I think the way to do that is by being the same as we would be if we were liberals, by being inappropriate and being however the hell we want. I don't buy into this mentality that it has to be this like buttoned up conservative thing because I don't think that that's the way you affect culture. I think you affect culture by being real. Yeah, taking risks, being offensive, you know, saying the things that people will be like, <gasps> and clutch their pearls over because that's what the greats historically have always done it's also what makes comedy so important and egalitarian so like one of the things that i always found so weird at least recently is is the people who get mad when they hear the trans jokes like i think you know it was like Chappelle. he did a special a couple years ago and he made some really funny trans and gay oh, great. jokes so accurate they were hilarious and a lot of people got pissed and they were trying to cancel him and it's just like I'm just like, shouldn't you guys be happy? This is a sign you are now equal in society. Like that's not you, what they want. You can no. be made fun of just like everyone else. And it's like to me, that's like that's like an honor. It's like, wow, we are now recognized enough in society where we can be made fun of just like any other group. No, they want yeah. to be untouchable. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They want special privileges. And I'm not saying obviously it's all trans people and you know, there's Blair White, there's a lot of, of people who are not subscribing to this it's it's that mainstream caricature that's being established and it's these very very small minority of loud voices that are that are being given a platform and elevated above ours and then we're just being pushed down and suppressed as if we're not there you know and we're not divergent black voices the same with any divergent latino voices it's the same thing you know yeah and i think just my opinion i think the alphabet people it's sort of like the most tightly controlled in that there are these groups this it's an entire industry i mean it's, it's like a billion dollar yeah it's like a billion dollar industry um that they sort of set what's acceptable and everyone else has to follow and we are by no means a minority because it's almost one in three lgbt americans voted for trump yeah that's not some minuscule that's, little yeah, that's fringe minority of, he had an increase in voters among basically all percent increase which is crazy. And it's like, all right, we're getting into dangerous territory there. So I'm going to leave it. There. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you're thinking. We'll I come know. back to that. We'll come back all I'm going to say is 81 million votes, guys. We'll come back to that. That's all I'm going to say. I agree. This is one of the things that I, I used to have a really strong problem with uh, Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and oh. RuPaul's Drag Race. Never watched any of them. I've never seen an episode of RuPaul's Drag Same, Race. and I'm proud of it. I, I, I have. I've <laughs> seen episodes of both because, you know, I'm a little older than y'all. And so it was more of a thing among my gay friends when, you know, we like going to the bar and watching RuPaul at the bar is was the gay equivalent of like, you know, watching the game on Sunday for the straight people or whatever. <laughs> But these shows really did a tremendous amount of damage to the image of homosexuality because it, it, it gave this sort of idea that this is it. This is what being gay is. It's, you know, it's fashion. It's being really feminine Costumes. and, you know, like correcting your, your posture and all this stuff when it's like, no, like being gay is just, you know, we're, we're same-sex attracted individuals and that's it. Yeah. But these shows sort of inculcated this idea to the masses and a lot of these people you know who don't have gay friends or don't realize that they're they're less queer acting friends are are gay you know they they see rupaul and they see queer eye and, and they have this very cookie cutter idea of yeah. what gay is and it, it totally ruined it for people like us that are more like masculine or or just like regular people 
that don't have these weird, bizarre, you know, like these traits of the, the, the gender bending and all that stuff. It ignores how individual, you know, people actually are. And it, and it goes back to some of the stuff that Christian Watson was talking about on our show when we had him on. It's just, yeah, he's awesome. Very smart guy. Like, we'll have him on again. You know, we don't agree on everything, but that's that's exciting. You know, Who cares? That's, the conversation's so good. And that's why we had such a great conversation. But, you know, he was talking about this idea of individualism and, and to paint all gay people, all black people as one particular thing, it's like you're ignoring the individual uniqueness of each person. And mm-hmm. the media is is destroying that. It, it's it's making, you know, it's making it's making people think we're like this homogenous, you know, blob and that we all sort of agree on everything. And if you're not paying attention to like the countercultural movement like us and the other voices and you're just watching the mainstream media you probably have a very limited idea of what it means to be lgbt and well and um, you know? these people always bemoan the fact of like like you'll always hear these gay celebrities oh i didn't see people like me on tv when i was a kid <laughs> really because for me the problem was i did yeah. you know <laughs> right. um I remember when I was very young seeing all of these gay shit, the queer eye, the will and grace, the glee, all this shit. And I'm, and as a being young, I was like, is that what being gay is? Cause I would never want to be that like these people who just have no balls, no individuality. And they think that they're not conforming. They think that they're, but they conform to every single word that's expected of them. And they're always just these weak eunuchs. And the problem is that then everyone, not just gay people, but straight people as well, internalize that caricature where you have a lot of gay people who then contort themselves into conforming to every stereotype because it's crowd-pleasing. And it's crowd-pleasing because it's non-threatening. A person like that will never be in sort of any sort of power position. They're the sidekick, they're the accessory. and then you have like a certain type of female. I don't know if you guys have ever encountered this. I call them the my gays type who have watched all these shows with the female character and the gay guy is just like the poodle in her purse. And they end up treating people like that. Like you're their fashion accessory. And I mean, look at a show like Queer Eye. What is, what is it? It is hags gay people serving straight people, fixing straight people's problems, listening to straight people talk about themselves. Those queer eye guys, do they have problems of their own? No. Do they get to have relationships of their own? No. It's this sort of modern minstrel show for gay people. Yeah. And it's also the same with a lot of like, uh, like gay entertainment, like uh, Queer as Folk was another one that I thought of, mm. which kind of was an interesting show because the original British series was a lot shorter, a lot darker, and it highlighted a lot of the problems within the gay community, which when they ported it over to Showtime and Americanized it, they made it much longer. They sort of glorified it a little bit more. And they, they also created a lot of these stereotypes, you know, of like, the, the going to the, the clubs and the hookup culture and the older guy with younger guy kind of thing and all of this stuff. And they, they presented it out there and like the, the very successful, like almost psychopathic, like advertising guy who is like one of the main characters. And then like the, the boy next door guy who has like this pining sort of longing for that guy when he could actually be doing way better if he would just sort of like cut that off and, you know, go out and actually look for somebody on his own. So the whole show really like re- it, it just it puts these ideas and, and puts gay culture into this box. And it wouldn't it doesn't surprise me that Glad had probably had a hand in all of them. 
you know, they were reaching in there and they were like, this is how it should be. And this is what we want. And it's got to look this way. And, and it's funny because they think that they're doing a good thing when actually they're, they're it's the quite opposite. They're doing yeah. damage to the gay yeah, community. It's, it's like the, the San Francisco gay men's chorus video that oh, came out recently, God. which we talked on here with Christian Watson. That about. So mad. And it's, it's, and I believe glad was involved in that as well. well so i don't we don't know who funded it but it was funded by a quote independent arts organization mm, so i'm not sure gonna tell us now somebody, <laughs> somebody gave them that somebody wanted that that produced or something along those lines produced and it's you know we don't know what exactly where it came we know who wrote it but we don't know like what their guidelines were who, who sort of pushed it but it, it does seem to be, it seemed like me, like, like I'm very like sort of conspiratorial. And I was like, this is a psyop. This is a psychological operation. We think everything's a psyop. It's just convinced that there's a lot of psyops happening all the time. We yeah. can talk about more in the, in the uncensored version. But that particular, that particular video just showed how tone deaf and like completely lacking in self-awareness. Yep. Mm-hmm. A lot of the gay community, totally especially the, the gay communities that are, you know, in San Francisco, in LA and in New York, they have, there are these bubbles Insular. that have no concept of how they're perceived outside yeah. and they just dismiss. They don't care. You know, no, they don't because they just dismiss everybody as, oh, conservative yeah. bigotry or whatever. And anyone who, who criticized that or, or had any negative thing to say about it was lumped in to be a white supremacist, conservative, blah, blah, totally ignoring voices like ours. And there were a lot of them saying, this is doing more damage to us. What are you doing? Please fucking stop. And well, that's of, why they hate us so yes, much. And instead of, hearing that, instead of hearing that and understanding and at least saying, okay, we acknowledge, yeah, even though it was tongue in cheek and we did it as a joke and we were trying to poke fun at conservatives, we, under, we, we acknowledge that this may have done more harm than good and we apologize. No, they doubled down on it and they're just like, oh, those, they're just, you know, angry conservatives attacking us. How dare they? No, and the thing is, Over this it. doesn't happen in a vacuum. If it were just yes. that as an isolated thing, we could say, oh, okay. But we all see everything else that is happening with children. And the horrible thing is that uh, all of these things that used to exist, these attacks against gay people of they want to recruit children, they want it's a choice. It's a, it, the alphabet industry is now giving such validity to all of these things that it seems like they've just become true at this point. To the point that you have NBC News publishing an article saying sec- uh, heterosexuality is a choice and that people should choose to not be heterosexual. So uh, the mainstream alphabet industry literally believes that sexuality is a choice now. So it's like they are, the past couple of years, they're suddenly now going against all of the things that gave pe- gay people acceptance. Yeah, they're it's going horrible. Backwards. Yeah. It does feel like we're going backwards. It's culturally. queer. Well, this is the influence of queer theory. So it's like the the critical race theory. This is like the gay version. Critical critical queer theory. Which I love to remind people came from, you know, the grandfather of postmodernism and all this critical nonsense. It was Michel Foucault, who was a pedophile, a rampant pedophile. And a lot of the people from Judith Butler, who, who carried on his legacy and continued to promulgate it and push it through academia, they have also repeatedly argued for the legitimization yeah. of pedophilia and in some cases, lowering the age as of well. consent. It's, you know, that's sort of they want to do away, too. A lot of them, time, it's not even lowering. They want to do away with age of consent yeah. entirely in a lot of cases. And it just, it, this, is, this stuff is wrong. And mm-hmm. it just blows my mind that there isn't 
more concern from you know the gay community or like the glads i think to see that i think the reason is is they're too afraid to say something about it because if they say something about it they think they're going to contribute to the stereotype that all gay people are pedophiles by actually pointing out the actual pedophiles who are there the problem with that is when you don't point it out you don't disassociate yourself from it so then it just then it just makes it seem like you're supporting it so by not pointing it out they're doing the damage And it's part of a larger issue. It's their entire ideology, which is the ideology of the entire gay culture, is that you have to just accept everything. There's no law. There are no lines. There's no nothing. You just have to accept everything. Don't question me, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Judging is good. It's like they talk about, it's like they talk about, oh, stigmas. I'm sorry. Stigmas are a good thing. Stigmas are a form of self-defense against behavior that is toxic for you. There you are. know, uh, hero, doing heroin should have a stigma. Yeah. Uh, committing suicide yep. should have a stigma. Sure. Certain things, bang, having unprotected sex with a dozen people in a week should have a damn stigma. So um, it just feeds into their entire ideology. And that is why when you can't question anything, when you have to accept everything, that's why we see over and over and over and over again that there are pedophiles posing as drag queens for drag, drag queen story hour. This continues happening. And that's not because uh, drag queens are pedophiles. It's because the people hiring there are not allowed to ask any questions. They're not doing any background checks. And stuff. another example of that, people, you know, they're not vetting them. And no, because you're not allowed to. You, that allowed would be to. problematic. It would be homophobic or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> and also it, it, it just, those types of people are going to see it as an opportunity. They're like, oh, well, I can, I can get involved in this and no one's going to even question and it. Because if they do, I can just us, say homophobia. They're using but, us as camouflage. Yeah. Yeah. And another extension of that, I'm sure you guys have heard about this, but where they're changing laws to make it basically legal to intentionally give someone HIV. That's insane. What the fuck? You even heard about that? No. No, in California, it used to be. I mean, it was the, in I mean, half the states. Yeah, it used to be like that if you didn't disclose your HIV status to somebody before having sex with them, and if you infected them, then you could be charged with, uh, I think it was manslaughter, attempted manslaughter, something like that. And they did away with a lot of these laws, you know, as, as the, you know, prep became more popular. Now that's the other thing, all the gays are- Get rid of the stigma. Because, you know, like if you're, if you're technically, you can't transmit it if you're undetectable, but you're only undetectable if you take your medication consistently and you're you're like on top of it 100 percent then there are you know especially gays that are in the party culture you know if they're up all night they're doing drugs and they forget to take their important drugs their their prescribed drugs then you they can have a spike in their viral load and then they can become infectious and if they're not you know monitoring you know a lot of times a lot of this the really sexually active gays will get tested maybe like once a month but (laughs) You know, if, if you stop taking your medication properly for a few days, even, and you have other immune suppressing activity like alcohol and drug and lack of sleep. Ugh, that sounds like way too much work. I mean, <laughs> people do it way too much work. Well, because they're, they're obsessed. Yeah. AIDS is so not worth it. Yeah. They, they're chasing the pleasure dragon, you know, yeah. they, they're just, which just can, trying to get the next, but the this is, can go on endlessly. And but this is not even considering the fact that there are predators out there and there right. have been multiple cases where you have some sick person who has HIV and will intentionally try to give it to as many people as possible. And it's documented cases like this. There was one in California and now he'll get a slap on the wrist that this guy would, uh, 
prey on very young people and convince them that he's in love with them and convince them to have unprotected sex with him. And then immediately after he would text them, haha, you got AIDS. What? That is now legal. That's because, like, oh, we that's... can't have a stigma. We wouldn't want to stigmatize behavior like that. And you know what I love so much is that these motherfucking feminists, they tell you that uh-huh. if a man lies to a woman about totally innocuous details, if he lies about his age, his height, his income, that's rape. But intentionally giving someone HIV isn't. If this shit, infe- if this uh, impacted rich white feminists, there would be riots. Probably. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's uh, that's psychopathic to me. If if you know you have an illness and you're deliberately infecting people with it and then laughing at them afterward, yeah, no conscience there. Yeah, there was- I've literally had people are I've literally had liberals argue with me that that shouldn't that that's not a crime. It's not sexual assault. So weird. Because it doesn't affect them. Yeah. Oh, and then they start arguing with me that uh, okay, well, AIDS isn't a gay thing. I'm like, oh, get the out of here. <laughs> <sighs> it's exhausting. It yeah, is exhausting. Did you see the article? There was a uh, an op-ed piece in the Washington Post a few weeks back that I, I lurked on, and incidentally, it was about uh, it was around Pride, and it was written by this uh, lesbian who was married to a trans woman, and her the, the title of the piece was uh, "Yes, there's there, there's kink at Pride. It belongs there, and I want my kids to see it." And I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> what are you saying? Like, <sighs> freaking weird. Can you just stop? Like, yeah. You even hear yourselves. And it's funny because if you look at her Twitter pro- profile, she's got like actually autistic labeled in there. And I was like, no shit. Like, well, that, this makes sense now. Of course you were like <laughs> totally tone deaf and you know, you have no idea why this is bad. And the way that she would describe, you know, the kink at pride. It was very like PG, PG-13, you know, very light bondage or maybe costumes oh, yeah. and whatever. But I've, you know, in 2011, I went to uh, Folsom, the Folsom Street Fair out in San Francisco. And it was the like the weirdest thing because there would literally be like naked people. There'd be people like, you know, whipping each other. There'd be people dressed up as like furniture, like holding a pose for like hours and hours and hours. And, you know, in the crowd, there would be families and small My children. God. And I was just like, this is not, why are you, what are you doing with these children? And like, there was like, literally, I saw like a 60 some, 70 some naked man with a pot belly chained up to a fence with sign, a uh, sign plastered up that, that had like a list of insults that he wanted to be insulted by because his, his fetish was humiliation. You and have like, mental problems. I'm sorry. Damaged. damaged. And, and they want to normalize this, but they also want it to, to be included in the LGBT community as if it's an identity or something. No, your weird kink stuff is your private thing you can keep in your private space. If you want to do it, go for it. But when you start bringing it out into the public space, and then this woman's trying to argue like, oh, it's not subjecting people to their sexual fetishes. What about the exhibitionists? What about the people who get off on people watching them? You know, yes, it is absolutely subjecting these people to their sexual fetishes. And, and, and this goes back to the fact that nobody will tell gay men the truth. Yes. That's what it is. Yeah. Nobody will tell gay people the truth. They're too afraid. They're afraid of being canceled. You can't even say that. You can't even say, look, maybe this is like controversial shit to say. I don't know because people don't want to hear this. But sorry, if you want to be chained to a fence and have strangers screaming, 
you have mental problems. Yeah. I'm sorry. Apparently, people you probably don't need a therapist. Care. You know, you're probably yeah. Oh, I got into such a fight. Something happened in your childhood. You, you haven't contended with one of the things. One of my ex boyfriends, he had a bondage fetish. He liked to be tied up, and oh, he was he's adopted. You know, he was he was sort of abandoned at a very very young age. You know, as an infant. And I I asked him. I was like, do you ever think that maybe you know, your fetish has to do with wanting, you know, to be restricted so that it forces your partner to be there. And you sort of like, you know, that they, they have, they might have something to do with one another. And he's like, no, <laughs> it's just like, yeah. okay, well, it probably doesn't but... occur to a lot of them. And I, like I said, it's because a whole culture develops around it. And, you know, it's the same thing with addicts. Addicts like to hang out with other addicts and then they all justify their behavior to each other. No one ever points out to them that maybe we should stop this because they're all participating in it. So it becomes normal. They don't question. You want to hear some sick shit? Do you want to, can I tell you a story? Definitely. So this is maybe like a year or two ago. Um, I met this guy. We went on a couple dates. He was really cute, but like annoyingly normal, you know, like super preppy. And he was a frat guy. And like, so I felt like a fucking total weirdo. Was this recent? So, no, no, he said a year. No, this was a while back. Cause I still had at least one liberal friends to hate me for this. So, um, so anyway, he, we went on probably like three or four dates, but like nothing was happening. I was so weirded out by it. And then I found his grinder profile. Oh my. Looking for a chastity slave. <laughs> do you know what that is i do i don't think so. i didn't i had to google it so can you explain this to me i don't i'm so innocent like i said four people. I, me too I apparently so they want to keep a person as their slave and they put your dick in a locked cage i saw pictures it's about this big so if you like got a boner or anything like it you can't crushes really, your dick. You and they hold the key to it they hold the key to it and you keep it on forever. And I'm like, Jesus, I'm like, that's why he wasn't into me. Cause he could probably tell that that shit would never fucking fly with me. But I'm like, what's wrong with you? So anyway, though, my point was I got into such a fucking fight with people, with liberal friends for t- when I was talking about this. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I think there's something wrong with that. And they're like, you're judgmental. You're the, I'm like, yes, I'm like, if you want to keep another person's dick in a cage and hold the key to it kind of weird like <laughs> kind of I'm weird like, you have psychological and emotional problems yeah. and you need help and you need jesus yeah <laughs> well, this is, i think there's a huge like the, the real the, the real epidemic in our society is mental health and it's something that we don't talk about yeah. it doesn't get addressed and it's it's a very pervasive problem and i think it, it goes hand in hand with child abuse and, yeah. and domestic violence because i think a lot of these 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 like child abuse and domestic violence are a lot more common than we like to acknowledge on at a societal level i think it's something like uh one in four boys and like one in three girls yes. is sexually abused yeah. before the age of 12. that was the statistic that the book uh predators gave yeah which is a really really good book that i recommend everyone read the full title is predators uh psychopath or was it uh predators uh pedophiles rapists uh and other sex offenders yeah, so by anna salter good read not an enjoyable read really just, uh-huh. um, it's an easy read but it's not an easy read because of the content of it and what was so fascinating about that book is that it gives you perspectives from the victims and from the victimizers so so you you hear the testimony from both you you know you read 
why victimizers did what they did, well, and then you read the victims. And Anna Salter is a, it's hard, a, it's trained, a hard thing to read. Trained psychiatrist who's like well versed in the field who treated a yeah. lot of a lot of victims. But anyway, like this is the thing that I, I think is really lending to a lot of these sort of extreme fetishes and and weird sexual behaviors, and we can't even have that discussion because. There's this idea that if you say that there that, that mental health is is impacting or, or lending to behavior that you're being judgy or you're judgmental or you know and the, one of the big things that I that I noticed That's in New York thing. too is that that the phrase "Don't judge me" was a very yeah. common ubiquitous term. It was like a meme, and it was something that I had even sort of imbibed. And you know, it's like if you become like. You, you're like oh well you're judging like yeah. you're saying that this is wrong and yeah. it's like yeah I am so I, I remember when I was reading that book a few years ago like I used to be a substitute teacher until lockdowns and all of that mm. I was reading that book and I had I you know I bring the things I read to work sometimes and so I had to take the dust jacket off of that one obviously people uh-huh. <laughs> to see the title uh-huh. of it but I remember I was reading it you know and I'm monitoring the class and I'm reading and as I was reading and reading that statistic, you know, like one in five boys and one in three girls have some form of sexual contact with an adult. I would just look up at the classroom and all the kids in front of me and I'm just like, holy shit. You know, it started to dawn on me like I would wonder how many of these kids have already encountered that and are already damaged in some way. It's and a lot of the times the abuse is, uh, it, it gets repressed or yeah. explained away. We had a friend in New York who's one of my uh one of my neighbors uh and he told us a story of how he was basically raped by a 30 year old man when he was 12 and how he didn't even think of it as rape you know because when he when he was that age the guy was attractive he was older he was experienced you know they they had a a great time and and from his perspective he had he consented to it but you know uh, realistically children cannot consent to those experiences which is why we have we have laws against that and he didn't even you know think that he had had some sort of damage from it lo and you know like now he's like very he has had trouble sort of like being in a long-term relationship he's very sexually active he's like you know like big into nightlife and i was just wondering like how much of that behavior was sort of uh he was pushed towards because of the early the early sexual experiences yeah yeah um, I, first of all, going back to what you said, I think, I don't think being judgmental is a bad thing at all. I think no, you a, need to discern. it's an intelligent thing to judge yeah. people on their Absolutely. actions. Absolutely. What's bad is prejudice, prejudging yeah. people. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the, the, like the last guy I liked, I was like, I, he kept judging me about my political stuff. But, and the reason that upset me is that he was prejudging me. He was assuming how I would be based on things he doesn't know. Yeah. So that's a bad thing, but I think no he likes to that, judge people. You know? And the biggest problem, what a lot of people do not want to hear. If there is one subject in the fucking world that people don't want to hear, it is this. But the problem with it is that our solution to mental health is drugging everyone up on pharmaceuticals. And it is the most horrible thing. We have no idea of how many people are on these mind altering drugs. The last eight guys that I dated, the last eight were on antidepressants. And for some reason, it's a recurring theme with me. Everyone is on antidepressants. And God, I will never forget when I was maybe in like my mid twenties or something. Um, there was this guy that I really like, I was like in love with him and we would, we would spend like every day together and could know what the other person was. They were so good together and nothing was happening. So 
finally I confronted it and I was like, you know, I really kind of find it impossible to believe that you don't feel the same way. And he says to me, he's like, no, I do. I really like you, but I can't be with you because I'm on antidepressants. So I can't really feel love. I can't feel happiness. I can't feel sadness. Everything is just right. And I'm like, what the fuck is the point of being alive? And yeah, it, it's crazy. I'll tell you guys, I talked about this online. So you probably saw, but um, I've always felt like I have ADD and I find it's getting worse. So I, I was, like, was okay. going to ask you to talk about this, actually, your recent experience where you went in and you inquired about medications and what they prescribed. Not even you. medications, though. Um, you so, were about other options that weren't medicine. Yeah, I just wanted to see what the options were. Um, and like I said, this has been a recurring theme throughout my life is people on antidepressants. I can't get away from it. And it is so I have so many friends that I've known people who and here's That's the thing. Two give my- I can think of who definitely got fucked up by them. And, and one of them, has he's recovered now. He's doing much better since he got off that stuff. But it damages, man. They get weight. Yep. And, oh, that's the least of it. And here's the thing is, like, people don't want to hear this because are some people, do some people belong on them? Sure. There's a statistic that says that it's about 5% of the people on them. So if you're yeah. listening to this and you're somebody's on them, it helps you great. Then this isn't about you. And right now yeah. we are going to talk about people who are on them that shouldn't be. And that's okay. So if you're helped by them, this is not about you and you can sit the fuck down. <laughs> um, cause people will not allow you to talk about this. Um, yeah, I've had friend after friend who, cause that's the thing. And every single one of them, when you ask how they got started on antidepressants, it's always something like, they had a breakup, they had a death, they had, it was like, they were, they were just going through a bit of a rough time. And then someone that they trusted swooped in to say, here, take this, it'll make you feel better. Um, so yeah, so I finally went to a doctor to try and see what was going on, just what my options were in terms of dealing with ADD. I explicitly told them, I'm not about pharmaceutical drugs. I don't want that. I have no interest in that. I just want to know what the options are, like supplements, diet, stuff like that. So uh, this doctor, she says to me, she's like, oh, okay, well, we can just give you like a non-stimulant and whatever. And I was like, oh, hmm, that sounds like not a big deal. You know, like she made it sound like it was like taking a Tylenol for a headache. Um, And she's like, oh yeah, just make sure you take it every day, whatever. That's all she told me. As soon as she said, take, make sure you take it every day. I was like, hmm, because that's not how she was making it sound. So anyway, as soon as I left, I Google, it's a fucking antidepressant. And she did not even tell me that. Wow. So, and not only it's an antidepressant, but it's one of the strongest antidepressants they make. So I looked it up on YouTube. <laughs> there is video after video after video of people struggling for years oh to get God. off of this shit. Um, and I forgot to mention too, I forgot to mention too, all of the friends that I have had, that I've known, I had a roommate like this. I've known so many people who never in their entire lives tried to harm themselves or anything. This friend of mine who was my roommate, Three times he tried to commit suicide after being put on antidepressants. I mean, can you fathom how sick that is for a person to take something that is called antidepressant that makes you attempt suicide? So, and, you know, obviously I, of course, didn't take it, but like, it just occurred to me, you know, we wonder why so many people are on them. How many of them were pushed into it by this, that they didn't, I mean, these people did not even tell me, didn't tell me what the consequences or what it would take. And I think a lot of people probably start taking it or led to believe this is the cure for all your problems. And then by the time they've taken it a couple of times, it's too difficult to get off it because I've seen friends of mine 
what it takes to get off of it. I and think it's that, not that's great. what big pharma wants. They want people dependent upon these drugs because that's how they get yep. profits. You know, they're not, they're not in the business of healing. And anyone who thinks that is not paying attention, they're in the business of treating because they want you to keep coming back for the treatment, keep coming back for the yep. treatment. And, and just like the the this last guy that I really like, like I, person after person that I've met, like I, it's I've always wondered about how different things might be if they weren't on these drugs. Like these people are just made crazy by them. Um, and I really think what I mean, aside from there needs to be a whole lot more education and awareness about this. Um, I honestly think this is probably like my least conservative view, and I don't give a shit. People aren't going to want to hear this ban the pharmaceutical and but ban the pharmaceutical sales industry because it is so sick the idea that it's a transaction that people get money based off of what they prescribe you that yes. they have incentives to prescribe you on more things there should be no such thing as the pharmaceutical sales industry yeah it used to be that you couldn't advertise pharmaceuticals on television and then it was during the clinton administration his fcc did away with that rule yeah and then all of a sudden you've got all these drug commercials yeah, and, you, and, you, and you watch the commercials and it's, always, and it's always like you know may cause you to bleed out of the ass may cause your heart to explode may cause death and it's yeah. like they run it by really really quick just to make sure like well, legally, you know, legally they have they to have to do that effects. yeah which but is they, one of the reasons. Run, they run through them really really fast like oh wait what, what did he just say death death bleeding out of my ass sudden, sudden death <laughs> cardiac well it's so normalized to us that we don't even think about how yeah. sick that is for a commercial to say, ask your doctor about this. No, it should be the other way around. You should right. never be going to your doctor saying, I want this prescription. Yeah, totally. Nuts. But it's so horrible. I mean, we're really becoming just a nation of pharmaceutical zombies. I honestly think yeah. this is and one of, if not the biggest issue. In this, might, this might be a good point too, for us to transition into our forbidden part of the show. Yeah, so let's do that. Yeah. So let's just say that we're, this is gonna be the end of the YouTube version. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you can proceed to www.dangerousrhetoric.com for the rest of the conversation. Yeah. Or oh, can, can I tell people where to find me in case yes, they don't please, do that? Um, I'm like banned from everything. I, uh, I was banned from Twitter and I finally made a new one. So. Find me on Twitter because I, I it feels like I'm just screaming into the void. So not my Twitter, is, Mike Harlow, not <laughs> not Mike Harlow, by the way. Um, and not also him. I just launched on Locals, and I'm going to be doing a lot of really cool stuff on there. I think it's going to awesome. be really fun. So it's mikeharlow.locals.com. Cool, yeah. sweet. Okay, well then we. And I love you guys. We love you yeah. too. All right, now let's talk about yes. all the things that we can't talk about. Go to the website, guys. All right, so. So speaking of how the pharmaceutical um, industry, pharma. yeah, well, that just, it struck me about the vaccines because the, you know, the, the first thing that, that I thought was that they, they're, they're pushing this, this intervention that we don't even know if it works. You know, they claim that it works, but when you actually look at the trial studies and the way that they came up, the way they came up with these numbers of 95% effective was very, very tricksy. And it, they, they showed that, that what they did is they took the difference in the number of people that took the shots first, didn't get the shots, and then they turn that into a percentage. When if you actually look at the raw numbers, they're very close anyway. So it was just like, how do we even know that the shots work? Like we, we, we don't, we don't yeah. know that they work. And what it seems like, and they keep saying this talking point of how it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Uh, and when you actually bullshit. look at the data, you know, it, it, it looks like, especially if you look at data outside of the U.S., because I feel like the U.S. is very controlled. But if you look outside the U.S., like in uh, Israel, for example, which is one of the most vaccinated populations on the planet, 
they uh, they had the Pfizer vaccine very early. They're having a wicked breakout of, of all kinds of cases, and it's it's all the vaccinated are the ones that are getting sick and ending up in the hospital. And they keep telling you this lie that it's like the 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 unvaccinated are the ones that, that'll reduce your severity of symptoms or whatever. It's bullshit. Like yep. the Total Delta bullshit. strain itself is actually Total less bullshit. likely to cause to cause severe symptoms because as a as a virus especially a respiratory virus circulates in a population it attenuates and it becomes less deadly over time and this is something that's well established in virology but they don't talk about it they, they pretend that the opposite is happening it, it just blows my mind and they want these customers and there's such a financial incentive to the vaccines that they're just driving it through and there's and and if you question it you get banned off youtube you know if you say like I, my one of my first fans on twitter was because i was talking about vitamin d i said you know i was on i think i was replying to a hill article and i don't know if you know the hill but they're like sort of a lefty alternative outlet yeah. that's not really alternative but yeah. I, I said something along the lines of you know vitamin D and vitamin C taken on a regular basis along with exercise, dieting, and, you know, stress management is a much safer and healthier alternative than, you know, an experimental jab of which we don't know any of the long-term consequences. Yeah, and they've even admitted that it's still, in, was, it's still in trial. Off Twitter off that. It's still in trial. In I'm just going to open my window. Three. Go for it. So I don't know, man. She's nuts. Yeah, well, it's it just, this is what they do. They, they're lying nonstop. It's, it's for the purpose of getting more money, more customers, you know, and, and they have no, it's like, there's no conscience it's involved. It's worse in the than that now because they're trying to segregate society based on mm-hmm. vaccination status and, and. Which is also political status. It's totally political. It, it is. is. Like anyone who's on board with this man, it's like you're not on our side and but it's also not too because there's a lot of liberals i know a lot of liberal lefties that will not take the vaccine they'll never take it and really they they do a lot of yeah our friend uh why am i blanking on her name (laughs) she moved out of new york with her husband you know machik's girlfriend erica erica yes so erica is like she's the most liberal lefty you'll ever meet and i mean she's she's pretty moderate but she's she's definitely definitely she's still she's left she's pretty lefty but she like you know she did like nude modeling and she's she's funny as hell we love her we're gonna have her on yeah Yeah. she's great but she's been fighting the lockdown since day one she's been very against lockdowns very against mandatory vaccination vaccine passports very sort of freedom-minded yep and i think that's the one thing that that a lot of the 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 more younger lefty types don't realize is that the the classical left was very much sort of based on individuality and, you know, open discussion and engaging in the dialectic, you know, sort of the intellectual combat to sort of prove whose ideas were better. Like that's like, the, they call it classical liberalism, but you know, it, to, it, that's the liberalism that I grew up with. And, you know, it's like the liberalism of like Star Trek, the next generation, like <laughs> X-Men, like all these cartoons that were sort of advancing the idea that skin color doesn't matter, yeah. that it's really like, you know, characters, what matters and all this stuff. And now they just want to go backwards on all of that. And it drives me nuts because like, and they've basically taken over the left. And, you know, from someone like I grew up and I always felt like a liberal, you know, identified as a liberal, you know, I've always been very anti-war, very like pro free speech, very anti-big government. um, And like against this like authoritarianism that seems to be like gaining more and more popularity among like the crazies. I just never liked labels. I was never someone... 
even when I was in high school, I just, I hated the idea that I had to slap a, a label onto the way I thought. Because, um, yeah. you know, I always viewed my, my thoughts and my beliefs as something that should be in constant flux and something mm-hmm. that I'm constantly updating and adding more information to. So by putting a label on my mind, I was just, I found it very restrictive and limiting and, and I never wanted to box myself into any sort of category. You know, I'm well, and that's limited in some ways and, and I'm very liberal in other ways. And, and I think a lot of people are and don't even realize that they have certain liberal values and certain conservative values. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. Well, that's another problem, though, is this entire ecosystem of political thought where the people who gain big platforms are the ones who just tell people what they want to hear. You will know every single opinion of theirs before they ever state one. So I I think what we need is more people like us who, like, for me personally, the moment that the right becomes authoritarian and is pushing things that I don't think are best, I'm out. Yeah. I'll find another side, you know? Um, Are you familiar? Sorry. Go go on. No, you go. I was just say what I personally think this whole thing about is we are really seeing over the past couple of years sort of the fusion between state and corporation. And that's really what this whole thing is about. The same way that small businesses had to close, but big corporations could stay open. Which is actual and, fascism. Yeah. It's and if you look at if you look at um oh god, I totally for- blanked on what I was gonna say. <laughs> oh yeah, no, if you look at the media, the news media. Uh, what it has done for independence of journalism there in terms of there just being a handful of corporations. I think it's five or six corporations that control the entire media. And look what that has done for independence of reporting. I think that they are trying to use that business model for the entire country, basically, where we are just run by a handful of corporations. It is just about centralizing power. And we're really getting to a point where for a while. These motherfuckers who talk about, oh, they're a private company that can do whatever they want. Bullshit. Look what just happened a few days ago with Biden. We are getting to a point where big corporations are basically becoming state actors and they should be treated as such. Yeah, well, look, James O'Keefe was banned from Twitter immediately after he exposed CNN. And mm-hmm. that, that shows you there's a direct relationship, partnership, correlation between the mainstream media, between big tech and between the government. That is where we are now. Any person, any person on the right who is still repeating that fucking line of they're a private company that should just be laughed out of the room. Like yeah. we need to get on board with this yeah, shit. We need I'm to be sorry. having these conversations, you know. Yeah, and it's because and it's because those are the people who are so consumed by their labels that they have to go with the belief that uh corresponds to their label in terms of what would actually be effective i'm sorry but sometimes you need to use big government against itself in pursuit of liberty and that's what needs to happen here yeah it's a messy thing but uh you know there needs to be a form of balance of powers that was the whole point of the system but one of the things i wanted to bring up um was jordan peterson and the uh the big five personality matrix i don't know if you're familiar with that stuff but not super familiar. I mean, I know of it, but I don't so know. One of the things that one of the major things that Peterson really helped me understand was that people vote their temperament. And when you understand that, you very much understand that society needs conservative <clears throat> and it needs liberals, right? Yes. Because it's like you need the people who are good at running things once they're established, which temperamentally conservatives tend to be those types. But you also need the people who are good at coming up with new ideas, who are creative, who shake the system up, who who find the areas where it needs to be changed or rearranged. 
you need both. You need both. They're the ones who come up with the ideas and, and the products, et cetera, but they're not as good at running, say, the, the apparatus, whereas those temperamentally who lean more conservative are. And that balance is, I think, what has made this country so great in that sense. And that's that- actually what I was going to say before when we were talking about like the hookup culture and the gay culture and all yeah. that is that we need a balance. Like, I don't want to be in this like trad con repressed, you know, nunnery. Sure. But we've gone way too far in one direction and we need more balance towards the other direction. I agree. That I- is the answer to all our ills. We need a, we need a balance. Yeah. You need the people, you know, who, who, understand there are certain traditions that are important and valuable that you do need to hold on to and conserve and you also need the people who are willing to analyze the system and look at say the flaws in it that where we where there's room for improvement and room for change and those two those two sides need to come together and be having a dialogue and that's that's how we get real i think progress but when they start shutting down the dialogue and convincing both sides that the other is the evil one you know, conservatives, like you were saying, are basically equally as equally as capable of groupthink just as much as liberals are. And I think liberals always viewed themselves as the ones who aren't groupthink. But huh. now we're seeing that that's bullshit. I, I, they're not very liberal. The people who call themselves liberal, they're illiberal. They don't really. I will. Personal I things. will say I do think there's a bit of a difference in that um, there are absolute and I've gone against them a lot of times in that there are people on the right who just look at Trump as Jesus they think yeah. he is never wrong. They do not sure. want to hear a word of criticism of him. Um, and those people are annoying, they are. but they don't hold any power. So to me, it, it really just all of the power in every institution is the left. There is really no difference. I mean, if you look at the military industrial complex, if you look at media, if you look at every corporation, it is all leftism in the Democratic Party. And the thing is, it's not like, you know, these people... Uh, they're using radical leftists just as they're useful idiots. It's not like they're actually socialists. It's not like they actually the care about identity politics. Yeah, that they don't give a shit. They don't. No, they're con artists and this is their snake oil. And they see how valuable and how powerful of a commodity the snake oil of identity is. Very well said. Yeah. And well, and I think it gets back to like the the election, which I have said before, and I will say again, I believe the election was rigged and the shadiest fucking election come out. I mean, that Time Magazine article basically admitted that that they rigged it. And when I say rigged, I mean, very specifically, they altered the rules at the 11th hour. Talking about they fortified the election. Yeah. Well, so Mm -hmm. this is the other thing I like to do on the left. They redefine terms in this dishonest way. And the technical term for that process is called equivocation. It's an SAT word that I taught to some of my tutoring students. But it's when you manipulative, you play games with the language. What's the word? Equivocation. Because you're basically, you're, you're saying that two things are equal when they are in fact not. And they, this is what they do. They use these semantic rhetorical games, which mm-hmm. Fauci do it live in front of the entire Senate when Rand Paul Twice. was asking him the questions about, you know, the gain of function. Like they, and he's yeah. like, defined a way, like it gained, like you're telling me that you paid money to this, to this institution in order to modify a virus so that it acquires a new ability that's literally the definition of gain of function yeah. and dr fauci's sitting there and he's like oh Rand paul that's not it like yeah, we've had people up and down the chain certified that that's not gain of function and it's just like the droplets 
Oh, the droplets. Uh, he was like literally shaking. I block a droplet or two. He was like, it was so funny how mad that he got. Oh, yeah. There was a really good video that I watched from Bombard's body language. Have you heard this lady? She's like this body language. No. Oh, wait, no, I have actually. Yeah, so she did one analyzing Fauci's body language while Rand Paul was, you know, questioning him. That's and she right. just totally tore him apart. She's basically like saying that he was super stressed out, that he was looking for allies from, from anybody that Rand Paul and like the way that he was like at one point he even like put his hand up to be like stop 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 <laughs> because like he couldn't take what Rand Paul was saying and it just blows he, my mind he knows he's caught oh, and they might throw him under the bus and obviously he's he's not the sole orchestrator of all this shit we're seeing I he's think the figurehead they don't need to know that's what I thought would happen when his emails came out but there is nothing in the world that could get average democrat voters to question anything they could see just... outright proof they could see a video of these shadowy figures in a shadowy room going like this <laughs> and twirling their goddamn mustache and they still <laughs> wouldn't believe it i literally got into an argument with this fucking moron the other night who was trying to tell who was actually trying to tell me uh oh uh, covid didn't come from china and it came from italy and he was like well when i mentioned china oh well it's you can't blame an entire country but it came from italy they they literally just go with whatever yeah. they are told these i'm sorry but like these are the dumbest most authoritarian people on earth isn't the lab actually called the, the wuhan coronavirus lab yeah yes and there was In not the a bat within and there were no bats within 1500 miles of right. it yeah um, crazy. but going back to what you said about the election uh my point of view might be a little bit different i don't know about you guys but like because after that you know i worked really fucking hard in 2020 yeah. i was campaigning in, hard i was in like over 30 cities i went to the white house i was doing events multiple times a week um so after you know i would have been totally fine with it just being a total transparent landslide for biden because then we would have had to look inward and but this outcome like it literally couldn't have gone worse if the world blew up. Um, so I literally just went into like such a depression afterwards because it, I don't know, I had trust in, uh, in everything. Our system. I lost that long election. ago, man. <laughs> I have now because this, ago. it really felt to me like, wow, you can't just vote this ideology out. Um, and the thing is for me, I honestly blame our side. I blame Trump. I blame Republicans because all of this was allowed to happen. Yeah. They got outplayed. Yeah. And for people like us to have been saying for so long, they're going to cheat, they're going to cheat, they're going to cheat. I mean, they, they were literally outright telling us that. They were telling, you had Mark Zuckerberg going on TV saying, oh, well, we're not going to know the outcome for weeks. Why would you know that? Yeah. So yeah. they're literally telling us that. So for there to have been no leadership, no plan in place, no strategy, no message. And then he, he, the people that he has handling it, you have a man with shoe polish running down his forehead and we look ridiculous. <laughs> so to yeah. me, I very much, I love Trump. I was literally his most passionate supporter. I very much hope that he does not run again because that is unforgivable for me. He didn't stand up against the lockups. Yes. He didn't stand up against the masks. Yep. He still to this day is not standing up against he vaccine. Pushed he pushed the shots too. He I know. Yeah. So. Be because it clearly is more about his ego than about anything yeah. else. Because well, in his mind, it's, you know, I did this. 
What's yeah. that? He didn't want to lose voters. And like you said, he wanted to be the first to do it and be like, oh, well, look, look, I'm saving the country. It was very I ego. Think, I think that Trump from about 2016 to 2019 was spectacular. Yeah. He fell apart that last year. And, it, and that's a tough pill for me to swallow uh, because from someone who went from hating him to loving him to now being very frustrated with him, um, I I just wish there were better leadership. Like, I mean, the fact that there was just no plan is crazy to me. Well, and I think the, a big part of the problem is that the the enforcement apparatus has been captured. So this is one of the things that I noticed when the, the whole Epstein affair sort of dropped was that uh, Attorney General Barr at the time sort of participated actively in the cover-up. And when I saw that going down and, you know, he was like, oh, this was just sort of like a series of institutional failures and blah, blah, blah. Sure. And then, you know, you realize that his father, Donald Barr, actually gave Epstein his first job at the Dalton School when Epstein wasn't qualified for the position. So it, it, you know, behooves the question, you know, who told Donald Barr to hire Jeffrey Epstein at the time? But you know, it just, it shows that these connections do exist and that, you know, you can't, we couldn't trust Barr to do the right thing then. And so going into the future, Why did he course, appoint him? well, then that's, this is the big part of the problem. You know, like they're, they're really, you know, it, it is a swamp. DC is, is a swamp and Trump surrounded himself with uh, backstabbers and sycophants. So these are people that would say, whose fault is that? It's his, definitely. Exactly. Because he had big blind spots, you know, and he he had, you know, a lot of big talk, but he didn't properly vet the people that were coming into his institution. And he picked people that also had big egos and big names instead of looking carefully and scrutinizing their past and their histories. I mean, John Bolton. John Bolton. Yeah, exactly. John Bolton. Uh, he had one of the, I can't remember what the, one of the generals that was like one of the architects of the Iraq yeah, war. Warmongers. Yeah. He had a bunch of warmongers in there and it just, it really, he sabotaged, he set himself up for failure and then the, it's this entire time, the CIA is pushing this line about Russian collusion and Russia, you know, Russia influencing the election. And that's the other thing that's really funny is that for four years, we were told that the election was, you know, invalid, that, you know, Trump really lost, that it was, that it was Russia hacked the was election. Little to no evidence. And then as that. soon as like the, 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 the sides switch, yeah. when there's actually evidence and we oh, have an, it was secure, there is no fraud. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, it's like if you, you talk about question it yeah you question it and is now you're like seen as a domestic terrorist yeah, or something it's insane man it's insane and that's why like i said i'm not a conservative and maybe it'll show here but the right needs to get on board with the fact that we need laws to crush these people yeah when it comes to the tech companies when it comes to the corporations when it comes to pharma big pharma we need to crush them. Now, I'm sorry, but sometimes you need big government to fight big government. Well, I think now the the ultimate hill to die, die on is these facts passes. And to me, that that's the line right now and who's on our side and who's not. So like, look, I don't care if you're conservative or liberal or Democrat or Republican. I don't even care if you got the shot or didn't get the shot. If, no, you, got the, if you got the shot and you support my right to choose not to get it, we're on the same side. We yep, are on the I same agree. side. And I think that's that's what we have to... We have to bring it to that point, you know, and then maybe something can be done about this. But 
It's also yeah, weird. but then polarization we'll is scary right now. That's happening. But then we'll have these feckless Republicans in office who just won't even talk about it. You know, well, uh, I saw somebody. Yeah. I saw somebody posted on Twitter the other day. I forget who it was, but somebody said um, Republicans in ten years are going to be like, "Hey, well, if Democrats want to have another round of climate change lockups, they bet they need a warrant." Like, <laughs> it's so disgustingly accurate. I'm like, you people are fucking useless. Well, yeah, I mean, we can't even get our people on board with like, hey, we need to we need to use every tool in our toolbox to combat this. I mean, they just want to have these like high minded, theoretical, everything is theoretical with fucking people. And they yeah. don't realize that we are in war. Yeah. What tells me, too, that that election was stolen is the fact that the Democrats and all the people from that side are fighting against transparency. And mm -hmm. the way I saw it from the very beginning was like this. If you are against Trump, wouldn't, shouldn't you be the first? And if you believe, if you truly believe that he lost, you should be the first person who demands transparency when everything is looking yep. so shady. So you make sure that you actually got him out and you won legitimately. The fact that they're opposing it, the fact that they're, they're resisting any sort of attempt to audit shows me that I think deep down, most of these people know that Biden oh, did not win legitimately. They know, and that's why they don't want transparency. They're going to fight it tooth and nail, and they have been. So look at that. And that's why everyone. By the way, the Arizona audit uh, Instagram page did gone, just got suspended. Yeah. What a shock. Yeah. Shock. Um, and that is why every person who is against this shit needs to get on the same side and fight them with everything that we have because people on our side is so split and divided and wants to argue about these ridiculous things that don't matter i mean go on twitter people are arguing about fucking gay marriage still who yeah. gives a shit like uh, we are at war with these people yeah. they have crushed they've crushed people's livelihoods they've crushed entire industries they have destroyed the mental and developmental health of an entire generation i'm gonna read a gay toad tweet because we love gay toad and we stand him hard as hell yeah. but my five boy hours, five hours ago he tweeted you took away the people's right to live freely, to earn a living, to operate their business as they see fit, all under threat of arrest for well over a year. And to top it all off, you shat on a shady ass election. So cordially, all of you can go to fucking hell. <laughs> That's my boy. Mwah. Love you, Jody. Now it's coming out too. that the They found uh, seven different groups of illegal ballots in Wisconsin. So it's like it's it's coming out. I think it's going to come out slowly, yeah. and the but, bubble's going to. But, but the thing is, what happens when it comes out? Because, like I said, you could have it on video. Right. Yeah. All these people in a room deciding we're going to steal the election, and half the country still won't believe yeah. it. They're too far gone, you know. Like Toad has been they saying, are. they're damaged people. Well, we need to damaged people. The Democrat mentality today is just one of authority trust yeah, authority cool. trust the media trust the government trust corporations trust the pharmaceutical industry don't so ask questions when when i look at the profile pictures of like governor murphy or governor you know newsom and and when uh, they have this thing on their face it reminds me of the armband now that's how i yes. see it like, oh i, I love see that it i can't unsee it it's like why are you just i love that, that analogy it, it reminds me of the armband you were displaying your totalitarian belief 
for everyone and, to see. And, and that's why people signal with it. They want to show the other people, like, I'm on board. I'm a good person. And it's like, you don't realize, like, you, you look like a Nazi. Like, you're displaying your cult symbol. And then and you're shouting another- at everyone else that they need to also display their cult symbol. Otherwise, we will expose you. And that is another problem with our side that, I mean, over the last year, how many people that agree with us would really stand up against the masks? I feel like you can count on your hands and toes the numbers. So every single person who is against this shit, stop complying. Stop complying. I will never put that thing on my face again as long as I live. I'll do it on airplanes because I don't know another option. But other than that, I will never, as long as I live, put that fucking thing on my face. And you should the whole flight. Just sip your water the whole time. That's what I started doing. (laughs) But no, there needs to be consequences for businesses. They want to say, oh, it's a private company. They can do whatever they want. Great. Then there should be a consequence and a penalty to them requiring that. If they would lose money, if you will take your businesses to places that don't require you to put this friggin' face fraud on. You gotta confront them too. Like, you know, like totally. He's nasty as they are. Because they have no problem confronting you. Yep. Because they do fold. Most of these people are cowards. Why else Mm -hmm. are they walking around with this thing on their face and afraid of everyone and everything? They're cowards. So when they say something to you, say something back. Just be like, shut the fuck up. You don't care about your health. Like I'm perfectly healthy. Stop treating me like I'm a sick person and and like I'm like I'm an, an infection vector. Like do you, do you realize what you sound like? Oh, that's what someone said to me. This woman at the grocery store a couple months back started screaming at me. And she was like, you're infected. You're infected. You could be infected. And I was just thinking, I'm like, God, could you imagine any other illness? Like if a person had AIDS, could yeah. you imagine screaming at them in a store? You're infected. And I don't even have anything. Yeah. Like a person didn't even have it. Imagine. It's, they're sick. They're messed up in the head. They're so far gone, like you they're said. Gone. Like, that's why, you know, like our goal has switched very much over, especially over the last few months. It's like, I'm no longer interested in winning hearts and minds. And we said this when we were talking to Ricky. That's not, that's not my intention anymore. I have no interest in convincing any of these people anymore. My goal is now to gather the individualists, the free mm-hmm. from, from the moderate left and the moderate right, and to get them to come together and to have these conversations. So when the shit hits the fan, you know, we, we have people who can stand up for each other. That's my God, goal I wish- The other people, man, let them all walk off a cliff together. Have fucking fun with that. Hell yeah. Have fun with that. God, I wish Tulsi Gabbard would run. Yeah. Uh, Republican. We, run. I mean, she did her dirty. Yeah. She, you know, she did annoy me a bit when she dropped that and like backed Biden. Although I get it. It's like you're a Democrat. So of course you're going to back like the Democrat. Candidate. Yeah. But for the most part, she seemed to be the only one in Congress who had any, any like a conscience and any, and any principles at all. So I do still like her. And the only people. I would have to talk to her on the show. That would be fun. Oh, you guys would <laughs> come on here. <laughs> You could. She seems like pretty accessible. Um, I, mean, I, I wish she would become a Republican and run. Um, other than that, like I, you know, as of now, I it seems I don't know. It, it seems like the big thing that people are talking about is either Trump or DeSantis. I would much rather I, the thing that I like about DeSantis. He has one thing I really didn't like that wasn't great with the First Amendment. But uh, but you know, I guess you can't really. Unfortunately, we don't have the luxury to nitpick everything a person does right now. But the yeah. thing that I like about DeSantis is I think he gets that fact that you need to use the power of the government for people's liberty. Yeah, but there are criticisms of that, too, because we have to remember DeSantis still was, you know, signing these executive orders and still locked things down. And it's like we were talking to Danny Presti from Max Public House. I don't know if you're familiar with Max 
Uh, they were one like they were a bar in Staten Island that very. Oh my God, Max! Yeah, of course. Max. I'm sorry, I, I heard yeah. wrong. Yes, so, of course. You know, we did. They're, 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 they're amazing. We had a conversation with him, and one of you know the criticisms he made was, you know, whether we like DeSantis or not. It's like these these conservatives are so quick to be like, yeah, yeah, DeSantis when he's signing executive orders that they like, totally ignoring the fact that these governors have this power to sign these executive orders and lock things up on a whim, you know. And I agree, but I think something like, there that's that needs. I don't to think we have anyone who didn't lock anything up. So I think of those people. He's the best. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate and it sucks, but Florida did. I mean, you can't go by me. I was saying I hope Matt Gates runs for president. So don't listen to me. Well, they hate him too. They've been there's been a very concerted effort to destroy his character. You know, they. I'm not familiar with Matt Gates. He's a uh, congressman from Florida who they've got this whole like sex trafficking sex scandal thing i'm not sure exactly what all the details are but apparently one of his ex-associates accused him of something Hmm. and they've been i think um it was basically i'm sorry i was i think it was basically like he was banging hookers and (laughs) sex trafficking because they him and one of his hookers traveled from one state to another Uh, Uh, and and look i'm not i don't live in fantasy land like liberals do i do i think he did it of course yeah do I care? No. I mean, JFK was bringing up this. If you want to enact good policies that will help the average person, bang every fucking hooker you want. Have at it, buddy. And also, humans aren't perfect. Humans make mistakes. Like, even, you know, Martin Luther King had extramarital. Yeah. And, and yeah, they try to use these things typically for character assassination. So it's like, you don't want to just, like, focus on that because then you ignore the legacy of, of the person they're human beings we're human beings like we i'll save up. people time it, now you know when my inevitable sex scandal happens i totally did it yeah toad on the show we were talking about this and we were addressing the cia and the fbi we're like hey if you guys are watching this go ahead drop all the dick pics you want we don't fucking care like it's not going to work on this they're, they're lovely i know yeah. go ahead we know you have a database <laughs> we know you're collecting all of them you know please they'll just be like my publicist sure. yeah <laughs> just make us more famous <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah and they nah, uh, i um what's that go ahead i was just gonna say it was like the same thing with the hunter biden thing it was so funny how they're so quick to jump on matt gates yeah and to you know accuse him of all this sexual impropriety and all this wrongdoing when you know the week before the election there was a concerted effort across big tech and across major media to squash that story and censor anybody that was talking about it yep and i was just like how is this not fascism like yeah. how is like you people are literally you know saying that you know for the good of whatever you know i was like how many times in history has that you know for the good of you know the collective been used to justify yeah. like the holocaust or yep. mm-hmm. you know like the, the 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 revolution in china which resulted in anywhere between 50 to 100 million people being murdered by the state like it's just insane yeah. to me that how how easily people can be misled and and deceived and it's almost like they 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 want that they and want it's, it's so obvious too because it's like look love him or hate him love trump or hate him if donnie jr said he smoked parmesan in an interview that would have been on every single news channel on every single headline for weeks and weeks and weeks it would have been talked about to the end of fucking time so and, and if, if you don't see that that is the truth, then you're in denial. You're not seeing what's happening here. Like I said, you don't have to like Donald Trump Jr., but the point is if he had done those things, if the laptop scandal was about him, 
you know damn well that they would have never shut up about it. They plastered everywhere. And, yeah. and I am so personally offended by that as an Italian because you know that he was not snorting good imported Parmigiano Reggiano cheese. <laughs> you know that was the disgusting thing that they sell at the grocery store in, in the, the plastic bag. That's wood <laughs> chips. You're eating fucking wood chips. <laughs> or snorting fucking God. wood chips. A fungal. It's such an embarrassment, man. It's like people thought Trump was an embarrassment to this country. Jesus. Oh my God. My butt's been wiped. Did you see that? What's that? My butt's been wiped. Well, that's what I'm saying when I, when I say like, um, you could literally have all this stuff on video and prove and show them total evidence and they wouldn't believe it. It's the same way. Look at how they just pretend to not notice that Biden's brain is melting. And if Trump would have joked about sucking the blood of children, again, every single headline, every single news agency, maybe except Fox, but even them would have been covering it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it would have been a big conspiracy and everyone would have actually believed that Trump was sucking the blood of children. Well, that's why you have to know the minds you can't change, because uh, I mean, look how these people, I mean, we have a president who has dementia. We don't even know who's actually running the country Uh, and they pretend to not see it. They fight you on it. They pretend, Oh, that's not happening. That's a conspiracy theory. It's just a stutter. Look, despite Trump's flaws, it's obvious now, especially considering everything that's happened and being, you know, removed from Twitter and all that stuff. And despite the people that he surrounded (laughs) himself with who were part of the establishment, he wasn't playing the game in the way they wanted him to play it. Right. He, he, he wasn't able to totally be controlled in the way they wanted to control him, like Obama and all the people who came before him. So they needed to put someone in there who was easily controlled. And now they got someone who's more than easily controlled. He's basically a fucking corpse. I know. I mean, no, I honestly think that when this is very depressing to say, but I think that when the book is written on how America became a communist country, yeah. chapter one will be the lockdowns and the 2020 election. Yep. Yeah, this was step one. Yeah. It's and crazy. that was all. And, and basically COVID was a required prerequisite for all of that. Yep. Because without the hysteria surrounding COVID, they wouldn't have been able to change the voting laws. Yeah. And they, without being able to smuggle in all those fake mail-in ballots, yeah. they wouldn't have won the election. Well, there's another thing, too, that, that I think we, we underestimate the power of, because we're using it all the time, it's this thing, you know? Oh, like, yeah. Lockdowns would not have been able to have been done or worked. You would never have been able to convince so many people to stay at home and to shut down their businesses and to separate from each other if we didn't have this, a mechanism by which they could still communicate with each other digitally. And I think that's something that we underestimate because it's like just 10 years ago, or I don't know, maybe like 20 years ago, people, you know, no one had these things. No one had, people weren't walking around with personal computers all the time. So it's like you wouldn't have been able to do this. It wouldn't have worked. You wouldn't have been able to get all these people. We also to work couldn't do this. We couldn't do you know live yeah. video conferencing yeah. and, and well, it's the Roman roads to me. I was I, I view the internet as sort of like the Roman roads because you know to spread the Roman Empire, they had to cr- construct these intricate roads that connected all the different pieces of the empire together. But what ended up happening too was it made it easier for Christianity to spread across the roman empire well that's also the double-edged sword of the so the internet is sort of like that so what it did was it enabled uh fractional reserve banking for example to spread across the world and for all these transactions to be done like that so but at the same time now it's enabling the free flowing spread of information or 
it once was because they're trying yeah. to fucking stop that clearly. You know, no, and that's why, I, you know, I've been saying it. I've been saying it for years. Like, uh, this should have been the rights number one issue for the last half decade, you yeah. know, if, um, because it really was the internet that destroyed leftism. That's why you've seen movements like walk away and so many people leaving the left is because for really the first time, we're not dependent on a handful of corporations to tell us what's going on. We can research things for ourselves. So it's clearly a major priority for the left to bring the boot down on that and censor it. And, and it should it should have been an equal priority for the right. And that's what sucks too, is that like, it feels like there's honestly just no opposition to the left because the right is so weak, is so useless, even when it comes to people being banned. Like, let me tell you, I've experienced this twice now when I was banned from Twitter and now that I'm banned from Instagram. When it comes to these people, because honestly, like it, when it comes to like well-known people with big platforms on the right, I kind of know all of them. When you are banned from something, everyone disconnects. Nobody will help you. Nobody will speak to you. I mean, you. if yeah. the left, if like Joy Reid or someone got banned, cities would burn. Yeah. And you know yeah. what? Good for them. <laughs> Good for them. I wish that we did what they do in a lot of ways. Like, that we should stand up for every single person who gets banned like the left would. We should push back against every single issue like the left does. I've been saying for a long time, like the right needs to basically just like fucking cosplay as leftists. Like pretend <laughs> you're a leftist for a little yeah. bit. Like I wish we had their commitment and everything that they do. They're insane and they use it for horrible things, but we could use some of that. I get your point, yeah. Because it's like they just keep accepting person after person getting banned. Oh, it's just Milo. It's just Laura Loomer. Well, it's just Alex Jones. Well, now that lines well, me Alex closer, closer towards the center. Alex and was the first one, really. Yeah. He was the first real one. And so many people just ignored that. They're like, oh, well, Alex Jones is crazy. So we don't care about that. It's like, dude, it's the precedent it sets. Yeah. Once that first domino falls, you don't think they're going to come for you eventually? And it's the same thing with some of these like leftists who, who are very anti-government. Like, you're going to get banned too. And some of them are, it's like, you don't think it's going to come for you until it does. And then and I would you didn't stand up for so-and-so because you disagreed with them and you didn't stand up for this person because you disagreed with them. And the next thing you know, there's no one to stand up for you when it happens. Exactly. No. And I would challenge you right now to look up any person with a big platform on the right and see if they said one word against Alex Jones being banned. I'll guarantee you they didn't. And it's the same reason that for a few days I've been texting people, Hey, do you know anyone who might be able to help me? No response from a single one. When you're banned, they disconnect. Like these people are not your friends. Yeah. Wow. Well, and, and we're seeing it from people who aren't even on the right, technically like people like Joe Rogan, you know, who gave Alex a platform and talks to him at risk to his own career. And that's why I have a lot of respect for Joe Rogan, you know, and, and even though I don't always agree with the things he says on his podcast and he does flip flop sometimes on, on many of his views, but he's willing to talk to people and he doesn't care if it's a person who was banned, you know, if anything, he brings them on because they were banned. Look what happened with Brett Weinstein and Robert Malone, you know? He brought them on. Which is yeah. funny that this person who's yeah. kind of left-leaning has yeah. more balls than any of exactly. the big people on the right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's 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 just, I don't know, man. I I don't see it getting better. I see it getting worse before it gets better. And oh, don't I say agree that. with you. I, I have so many. <laughs> I agree, my, but don't say it. <laughs> I have so many of my friends, you know, like like when the FBI showed up and, and freaked us out with the January 6th thing and all that, it's like very few of my friends even reached out to me 
you know, and say, hey, you know, that's terrible. I'm so sorry that happened to you privately, let alone publicly saying that I think this is wrong. They don't want to be associated with it. They're too freaking scared of being canceled themselves. And it's like, no loyalty, no loyalty None. at all. It's like people who, who should know better, know my heart, you know, who I am as a person. It's like, well, I, I don't want them to think that I'm an extremist too. So I don't know, like, that, like, I don't agree with what happened to Dan, but I can't say anything publicly because then people might think that I support that too. And, it's and like, that is why we lose. And that's the thing is yeah. this, when I talk about this, it's not about me. It's not, it's, it is emblematic of such a bigger issue on the yes. right. It's an environment. It's an environment. It, it's a zeitgeist now that we're, we're living through a, it's like their entire reason of being is to not upset leftists yeah oh i don't want to be called this i don't want them maybe if i am quiet and yeah. behave i'll be the I last them person to come to get for me like they came for him you know but they will yeah. yeah that's the point that i'm trying to get through it's like look i understand i get it people have their jobs they have their families their livelihoods they have to look after but it's like say something do it strategically if you have to find some kind of way have the conversations even in private with people yeah, even private way it's getting out there but to say nothing and to act like it's not happening because you're scared and you it's like it's gonna get worse and it will come for you eventually and then the next thing you know you're posting something that you're not allowed to say and you're banned for it yep so it's like you you better step up and, and even if you know you don't even have it's to exciting. you don't even have to do that because with both my band with both twitter and with instagram i didn't say anything you're not supposed to say i and facebook also i've been having yeah. them come after me with this is yeah, that they flagged like one of your selfies like fuck yeah just a picture of me was hate symbols. Like, my face is a hate symbol like you yourself are a hate symbol of extremism yeah <laughs> the very being my carlo well it also <laughs> it seems specifically with you mike that people you have a very dedicated pack of haters yeah and what i've noticed with the 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 bands on the social medias is that if you have somebody a lot of times the the algorithms will ignore you until somebody decides to report you for something and that reporting system is super abusable and and that's what triggers you know, the blue haired brigade at Twitter or safety or whatever to take a closer look at your profile or the, the YouTube videos, you know, like they take a yep. closer look at that and then they're like, oh, well, we can't have somebody, you know, they didn't notice you until some, some rando decides to report you. And it just reminds me of how, you know, in, in, in Germany during like the, when Germany was split, the Stasi relied on reports from citizens yeah. and in communist countries the time and time again, yeah. they yeah. relied on reports from, from random people. And, yep. and people were reporting their own family. Well, they, and they encouraged that malicious. That's what was happening on January 6th. Yeah. yeah. They encourage it because they want people to be, they want, they want their, their enemies to be targeted. And without the willing help of a bunch of fucking, you know, brainwashed fools out there, who just don't like your, you know, whatever your brand is or what you're saying or your fucking hair or whatever, they they will report you maliciously in order to to attack you in sort of an anonymous way and being just like smugly like hmm, from behind their fucking screen. Yeah. And it's easy to do that. They're cowards. Well, that's why ev- what every cult does, and I, I'm going to make a video about this soon, but um, if you look at like the National Cult Prevention League, they list the warning signs of a cult. And it literally just sounds like it was written for the left. Um, <laughs> what every cult does 
is they draw a wedge between the individual and the family. Yes. And that is exactly what's happening now, where you might be at risk from your uh, parents or your kid. They could be a wrong thinker. They could be diseased. Maybe they're not getting the vaccine. Um, so it replaces the family unit with the state. And that's exactly what's happening. And that, to go back to what we were talking about before, that's something that is highly encouraged by the alphabet industry, by the LGBT community. Um, they try to instill in everyone it's sort of like there's no such thing as like respect your elders. They try to instill this sort of culture of hating your parents and hating, yeah. you know, they I just justify it. They justify it by saying, oh, well, yeah, you have freedom of speech, but not freedom from consequences. Uh, yeah, the, it's, it's, say. it's like saying it's like saying in Saudi Arabia, women are fr you're free to not cover up, but they're, you're not free from consequences when the consequence is being beheaded. Yeah, right. Um, but no, it's funny. I was just in Texas a while ago and a couple different people were telling me, like younger people were telling me how homophobic everyone is. And I was at this event and this one person was like, my parents are so homophobic. They hate gay people. They're so anti-gay. And a couple minutes later, I met the parents. The what She comes up to me, Mikey, hugging me. I'm like, "These, are, how come I don't get that from people? How come I don't get so much is a dirty look, but you're telling me everyone's homophobic there. How come I, like, yeah. it's, it's, it's just this mentality of consuming, and resentment. They're consuming the propaganda. It's, it's, we mm -hmm. talked about this too on our, on our last show, I think with, uh, with Cecil, but with, in regards to like the Black Lives Matter movement and, and people of color thinking, oh my God, cops are out there hunting us down, trying yeah. to attack us. And then you ask these people like, hey, you know, how many people, uh, unarmed people, black people died from police officers, you know, in, in this year? And there'll be like thousands. And it's like, no, actually it's in the, it's in the two digits. Yeah. Like you think it's thousands because the media has freaked you out and scared you so much that you, you just, this is what you believe. You believe it, even though it's not a reality, it's a delusion when you look at the actual numbers and the actual statistics there, but forever damaged people, right? You, you show them the information, yeah, they can't they can't take it in. They can't allow themselves to accept it. And I think part of it, especially with the COVID stuff now, it's become their identity. Yep. On Twitter, I see some of these people, they have the mask on in their profile picture, um, something about COVID in their like Twitter name. A little vaccine and, emoji. Yeah. And then you go to their bio and it has stuff about COVID in it. And it's like, this is your identity now. It's like, you go to my page and it's like my name. And then it tells you like, I write books and I do this and I do that. And that's my identity. My identity doesn't say anti my identity doesn't say anti-vaxxer right it's just that's not my identity like you guys it's your identity like you identify with it so much that they just they can't let it go because who would they be without it and i think part of it too is i think a lot of these people like were freaking picked on in school or never had any sense of power or, or control and now they finally feel like they they can like get back at people you know, or maybe they never felt important, like they were the hero. And like, this is their way where they can feel like, hey, look, I'm doing my part. I'm protecting people. I'm the hero now. And they never felt special until now. And they will not let that go. It's because we've had so much of this anti-bullying stuff, but yes. never, there's never been the flip side to that. Uh, don't allow yourself to be bullied. Like, you know, when I was in school, if somebody tried to bully me, they tried once. Yeah. Never again. <laughs> um, it's and it, and it, and like we were saying with all the alphabet shit, it's the same way that we've had years of gay people being told "love yourself, love yourself, love yourself." Look at these people. Like, trust me, 
they love themselves. <laughs> but how often have you heard people told, respect yourself? Yeah. Never. And then we wonder why there's an entire generation of narcissists. Yeah. Well, to go back to Peterson too, and, and the reason why I think Jordan Peterson resonates with so many people in general, but yeah, men in particular, because there's a crisis of meaning. And we've been raised with this generation who were told that you're fine the way you are, you're perfect the way you are, everyone should just accept everything you do, and you're fine. And then you have someone like Peterson who comes and he says, well, actually, you're not what you could be. Clean your damn room, fix mm -hmm. yourself up. You could be better than what you are. And there's a lot of people who have never heard that. They never had anyone actually sit them down honestly and say like, look, you're not living up to your potential and maybe you could be doing better than you are. And it's like, you're, you're not perfect the way you are. You're a work in progress. You're someone who should always be working on yourself and updating yourself. That's the message people are were hungry for, desperate for. They needed to hear it, you know? And, and that could tie into the fatherlessness issue, you know, in mm -hmm. regards to, you know, the home, right. And the breakdown of the family unit. And that's obviously a crisis in regards to the black community, but there's an increase in fatherlessness in the white community too. It's an epidemic across the entire country. Maybe you could relate that to the free love movement. And obviously there has been an increase since the sixties and seventies of divorce and less of a value on the family unit. But if you try to address these issues, you're just, you're a conservative, you're a bigot, you don't believe in sexual freedom or this and this and that. And it's like, Maybe we need a little more stigma, like you said, and, and societal pressure that, hey, you know, you, maybe you should settle down. Maybe you should think about getting a family. Maybe you should put your own life and yourself in order before you just rush out there to criticize the world and say, this is how the world should be. This is how you fix all the problems. Like, you can't even pick the fucking clothes up off your damn floor. You well, know, goes you're over here trying to organize society. Like, sit down. It goes, it goes back to what you're saying that nobody will tell gay men in particular the yeah. truth and gay people have no people to look up to because if they yeah. look at other gay men, what do they see? The queer eye, the will and grace, all of that. They, gay men are never, ever, ever taught any sort of masculinity to the and point that they don't even know what that means. They think masculinity is an aesthetic and yes. it has to do with, uh, you know, sports. It has nothing to do with that. It's well, about... Gay Toad made a, a tweet a few days ago, which I love, but he was just like, like, I wear makeup and I'm more tough and masculine live, you guys. It's not because about it has nothing to do with this manly or not. It's 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 a matter of discipline. It's a matter of having moxie, courage, you know, of standing up for your family and your community when they need you to do that. And so it's worth and that's why so many gay guys are just such pussies because yeah. they are told that any sort of internal masculinity is just off limits to yeah. them yeah yeah it's very disturbing <sighs> this was a great conversation I'm glad <laughs> yeah well, i think fun. we're pushing what like two hours now yeah we're two hours yeah. i mean we can I wrap was, it up you guys gotta come on my channel yeah. sometime we would love to come on i love you guys and i would love to get like a four-way discussion be you know with ricky and you and yes uh, let's do that, that. So fun. like it would be let's do it it would be such an unwoke gay discussion. It will break the fucking internet. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Anytime. All right, Mike, dude, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. I can't wait to do it again. We'll do it again. Like I said, we're, we're trying to build this community of free thinkers, of moderates oh, yeah. on the left and moderates on the right, and to get them to sit down and have a conversation. And we want recurring guests. We want people who oh, yeah. come on often. And, and every time you get canceled, man, you always have a platform here. We will always. Oh, have you guys are the best. We'll thank post you so about it. We'll shout it from the fucking rooftops. Love you guys. Take care, Mike. I'm going to stop it here.